Welcome to Intuitive Bites Podcast. I'm your host, Kirsten Ackerman, the Intuitive RD. I'm a non-diet registered dietitian and intuitive eating coach. My mission is to help women recover from diet culture and heal their relationship to food and body. Follow along as I speak with leading professionals in the field and explore concepts of intuitive eating, health at every size, and body liberation. Hey guys, welcome to episode 82 of Intuitive Bites. Today I'm chatting with Carolyn Vig, who is at Carolyn Vig on Instagram, and we're talking all about her journey to becoming a health at every size aligned trainer, as well as how you can identify if you have a disordered relationship with movement and how you can begin to heal that relationship and and what it looks like to have a positive relationship with movement. Um, So this is definitely going to be a good one. Before we dive into it, I want to let you know about two programs, brand new programs, that I just announced the other day. So the first is a program that is kind of being redone, and that is my Intuitive Eating Foundations group. So this group used to be a five-week group program for beginners. Now it's an eight-week program for beginners. It's starting mid-September, and we are going to be using the the, um, Intuitive Eating Workbook and kind of diving into the 10 principles of intuitive eating in this group format, which is so, so healing. Um, I'm really excited for this group. I already have a few folks inside, and I'm in the pre-enrollment phase right now, which means you can get a discounted rate if you enroll. So since it's in pre-enrollment, um, the only way to get in on this program is to send me a message on Instagram at the intuitive underscore RD. Let me know you're interested in, in getting enrolled and I can tell you more details. Uh, the second program I just announced, which is also brand new, is the Intuitive RD Book Club. Basically, it's the anti-diet book club you have been waiting for. And the first book we're reading is Body Respect by Lindo Bacon and Lucy Aframore. If you're not familiar with it, it is basically Um, the health at every size kind of book to integrate those principles into your life and to support and take care of your body through that lens. It's packed with research on health at every size, which is just so integral to really, really embracing these concepts. So I'm so excited to do this in the group setting and uh, it's going to be a blast. So that that program is going to run for four weeks. It's starting the second week of September. Uh, for both of these programs, the date and time or the day and time of the week that it will be held is determined based on participant availability. So if you decide to enroll, I will make sure that it works for you. Um, The book club is also in pre-enrollment, which will be ending very soon. Um, So again, send me a message on Instagram if this sounds like something that you want to get in on. Um, My handle is at the intuitive underscore RD. Okay, with all of that said, let's go ahead and listen into my conversation with Carolyn. So let's start with you just kind of introducing yourself and a little bit about what you do. Sure. Uh, Well, hi, I'm Carolyn Vig. I am an anti-diet and weight neutral personal trainer. Um, I'm based out of Orlando, Florida, but I train people mostly online from all over the United States. And I've had a few international clients as well. Um, And basically, I take an approach to fitness and personal training that is 
not based in diet culture and trying to change the size of your body. Instead, um, I help my clients with getting stronger, gaining more confidence with their ability to move their bodies safely, um, and reconnecting with movement after a period of um, maybe disordered eating or body image issues um, or recovery from an eating disorder. So I uh, work with a lot of people in recovery and a lot of other people doing all other types of things, but who just want to be able to engage with fitness without all of the diet culture that usually comes attached to that. That is so needed. I feel like, you know, exercise in particular, like it can be so hard to find a safe space and like a space that's not dedicated to trying to change what your body looks like in some way, whether that's weight or even just like having fitness be this like purely aesthetic goal related thing. So um, I'm glad to hear, you know, I'm, I'm glad to share you with my audience and hopefully, you know, <laughs> you'll get some people reaching out because I just work with so many clients every day who really want to embrace movement, but they can't figure out what that looks like after struggling with their relationship to food. Um, and their bodies. So I am always really curious. And it's funny because uh, for those listening, Carolyn and I, this is our second time recording this. So I've already heard a little bit of your story, but I would love for you to just share how you got into this space. Like, what did that path look like for you? Um, yeah, give us give us a little insight into that. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I've been active and interested in fitness from a really early age. I started doing martial arts when I was a kid and actually um, like taught children's martial arts classes and did summer camps and stuff as like my high school job. So I got a little taste of like the fitness industry from that side of things, um, you know, when I was like a teenager. But um, I first started working in the fitness industry in a, in a more traditional sense when I was in undergrad. Um, I was getting my nutrition degree from UMass Amherst. I was planning on going on to become um, a registered dietitian. Uh, and I thought, you know, might as well get an on-campus job that actually has a little bit to do with the industry that I'm going into. So I got certified as a personal trainer. Um, that was back in 2013. And I started working part-time at the fitness center on campus. I had a handful of clients that I would train, you know, once or twice a week um, in between classes and stuff. And it was honestly a really wonderful job. Uh, my my boss was awesome and she didn't really like micromanage me. I had a really flexible schedule. Like I could schedule my clients whenever I wanted to. I only took on as many clients as I felt like I could handle. Um, there was really a lot of flexibility. And while there was definitely diet culture involved because it was, you know, a more traditional um, setting, because the environment was so relaxed, it's not like we had any like fitness challenges going on, or I wasn't required to use certain software to like put my clients on macro plans or anything like right. that. A lot of my clients were professors or, you know, local people who lived in the area. And a lot of times they just wanted to hire someone to just help them stay active or stay flexible as they aged. And so while, while I did work with some people on weight loss or aesthetic goals, that wasn't the majority of what the focus was. So luckily my first experience in the fitness industry was very positive. Um, 
But unfortunately, after I graduated, I decided to continue with being a personal trainer instead of becoming a registered dietitian. Um, that just wasn't the path for me. Mm-hmm. And I ended up getting a job at a much more traditional gym where uh, it was I quickly found out a lot more of a sales job than a training job. Mm-hmm. My primary work responsibilities were not actually training my clients, but selling training, selling supplements, and selling like membership into like weight loss challenges. Mm-hmm. And I really got a taste for, oh, this is what the mainstream fitness industry is really like. It's not about helping people or it's not even really about health. It's about selling the illusion of health and the aspiration of health um, from this very like thin centric lens um, in order to get people to pay money to into the gym. (laughs) Basically. Wow. So was really a wake up call. And I was only at that job for about six months before I had the opportunity to actually move with my partner um, from uh, New England to Orlando, where I decided to start my own business and start Mm -hmm. training independently because I just realized I couldn't be involved with the fitness industry in that way, causing so much harm, forcing people into this really like like fat phobic way of experiencing fitness um, that really just encouraged uh, disordered eating and obsessive behaviors. And I just didn't want anything to do with that. Um, So I started training independently and I stopped weighing people and I stopped working with weight loss goals. And uh, it's been amazing ever since. That's so cool. Yeah. It sounds like um, the timing worked out beautifully there when you kind of like were like nope this is totally not what I want to be doing this is not like aligned with my values and you were able to to shift from that so that's cool um I'm curious about you made me think of it when you said you know you had worked towards getting your personal training certification so I know like I talked to a lot of dietitians on this podcast and like I'm curious about their experience with like getting a nutrition degree Obviously, I went through a program and it was very diet culture, weight centric, all of the things like many dietetic programs are. I'm curious about like your certification with personal training. Like, was there a lot of that like built into it or not so much? Oh, yeah, there definitely was. I okay. mean, I so it's been quite a few years since I took the the certification. I'm certified through um, NASM, the National Academy of Sports Medicine, mm-hmm. and like to their credit, the majority of what you learn has to do with um, like exercise programming, okay. uh, like choosing the correct exercises, modifying the exercises for different types of needs, um, how to uh, build a program that prioritizes safety. So there's a lot of like, like different phases of programming that focus on like balance and stability and um, like strength, endurance, like those types of things, the actual different um, areas of physical fitness, you know, because often fitness gets conflated with body size or like fitness goals are weight loss goals. One of my favorite sayings to remind people of recently is weight loss goals are not fitness goals because your weight is not a part of your physical fitness. Um, 
Obviously, yeah. body size can play a role in the way people experience physical activity, but your body size does not determine your physical fitness. Um, physical fitness is muscular endurance, cardiovascular endurance, muscular strength, uh, flexibility and mobility, balance and stability. And those things can be trained and experienced at, you know, any body size. Um, but anyway, so the majority of what I learned was focused on that and also anatomy and physiology. But there definitely was a chapter dedicated to the quote unquote obesity epidemic. Um, yeah. Feel free to leave me out. Yep. Um, and um, and weight loss. And uh, the we definitely learned those things from a very conventional standpoint. And so, so while the training itself didn't focus on that, it was definitely present. And what yeah. I found to the fitness industry is that the on the job learning is very focused on that um, and often forcing you to go outside of your scope of practice and give people diet advice and meal plans that you're not supposed to be able to give. Right. Um, and just it really takes that like what was maybe five percent of what I learned in my certification program and that blows up into like 80 percent of what you're focused on on the job so um yeah it, it was it was interesting in that way and then yeah. uh, it it also though because I I was taking that certification program at the same time that I was in an undergraduate nutrition program so while I was taking you know, metabolism and nutrition microbiology and MNT and all of these other classes that um, drove home a lot of the same like diet culture focused um, information. Um, it, it was interesting to do them at the same time for sure. Yeah, I can totally see that. Um, well, I want to transition a little bit to talking about like what a disordered relationship to movement really looks like. And I guess for somebody listening, like how might they identify if they have a disordered relationship with movement? Yeah, I love that question. So um, I, I want to start out with a caveat that it's going to be different for everyone, like everyone's personal experience, just like with food, you know, there's mm -hmm. certain behaviors that one person can do them without experiencing any kind of distress or negative side effects, mm -hmm. but another person could it, like participate in that same eating behavior and it could spiral them into a really negative place. So the same goes for exercise. Um, but so the, the way that I kind of guide people to assess whether their personal relationship with fitness is healthy and positive or maybe a little bit more disordered and could use a little love and attention um, is to look at like the role that fitness plays in their lives and the way that their workouts make them feel. Um, so if your workouts tend to make you feel exhausted or uh, you go into your workouts feeling ashamed of the way that you look or when you're working out, you're really judging yourself or comparing yourself to other people who are exercising or um, chasing a very specific aesthetic goal that you feel bad about yourself for not having yet attained. All of those things are um, warning signs, like red flags that your relationship with fitness might not be coming from the healthiest place because it's coming from a place of feeling like you're not enough, from feeling like you need to change yourself in order to be worthy of the things you want in life or 
seen as valuable in the eyes of the people around you, or you're trying to reach a goal that you've absorbed from the world around you, but that's not coming from yourself. Like feeling like you need to look a certain way or perform at a certain level instead of just a goal of wanting to feel good or have the strength and abilities to participate in your life in a, in a way that Carolyn, it looks like you are, I lost connection with you. Are you hearing me? That was my, that was my Wi-Fi. My Wi-Fi just uh, cut out for a second, but we're back. Okay. Um, so signs that your relationship with fitness might be good is uh, first and foremost, first and foremost, you enjoy the workouts that you're doing. Like if you go into the gym and you are like, this is so fun. You're like looking forward to it. Like the activity itself is like, exciting and fun for you that's like that's a very good sign that, that yes. you got a good thing your workout program on the flip side if you're dreading your workouts if you think they're really boring or they feel excruciating or like a punishment eh, you should maybe try something different yeah. um other signs that uh your workout your relationship with fitness might not be good is that even if you enjoy the workouts that you're doing if you find yourself constantly pushing past the point of like safety and health into illness and injury when you work out, there might be something going on there. It might be the, that the activity that you're choosing is just too intense for your body at this time. Or it might be that on the mental side, you feel this like compulsive need to push yourself so far out of your comfort zone that you are causing yourself harm. And so that would be something to look at as well. Okay. That's really helpful. So what about like the person that's listening and they, you know, they are like, yeah, I have this relationship with movement that is not, is not great. Um, how can I get to a better place? So like, what would your recommendations be to like start healing a negative relationship with movement? Great question. So number one, take a break. Um, even if it's just for a day, I would recommend maybe a week or two of just not doing your normal workout program, like even just not exercising at all for a few days and assessing how that makes you feel. And also using that step back to then ask yourself a bunch of questions of like, why am I working out the way that I am? Like what, what has led me to make these decisions about exercise, both in like the frequency, the intensity, the type of exercise you're doing, where you're doing it, the goals that you're trying to reach from it, just questioning all of those things to get a really good feel for the intent behind it all and the uh, attitude and the values and the beliefs that are, you know, guiding your current uh, behavior choices. Mm -hmm. And because it's hard, it's hard to take that step back when you're doing the thing. Like if you are going to the gym five days a week, it's hard to ask yourself, why am I doing this? Should I be doing this? Because you're still doing it. But when you take a break, it makes that a little bit easier. Yeah. If the idea of taking a break is extremely distressing for you, mm -hmm. there's your sign that that's where you need to start doing some of that mental and emotional work. That maybe you're leaning on exercise as a crutch to not address other things that might be going on with you, whether it is um, body image issues or uh, maybe some like you're using exercise to enable some disordered eating stuff 
Or maybe there's just some other things going on in your life that you haven't addressed yet. You hate your job. Uh, you're not happy in your relationship. You don't like where you live. And um, sometimes exercise can be used in a compulsory way to help us avoid the emotional stuff that's hard to address. Yeah. Um, other thing that I would recommend besides just stepping back and taking a break and just asking questions about why you're doing what you're doing, mm -hmm. I would also recommend getting some help from someone, whether that is, you know, bringing this up with someone you're already working with, like a dietitian or a therapist, mm -hmm. or um, reaching out to someone like that for the first time, mm -hmm. um, or reaching out to a fitness professional who can maybe help you with this kind of stuff, someone who works in the way that I do. And then the third thing I would recommend is once you've got an idea of like, okay, so this is why I've been working out. And maybe this is a little bit not aligned with my values. Like I've been working out to stay a certain pant size and oh my gosh, like that doesn't align with my values at all because I think that all bodies should be valued equally. Let's come up with some different reasons that we exercise. Maybe it's for mental health. Maybe there's certain activities we really enjoy doing. Maybe it makes us feel strong and capable. Those are all other like reframes for reasons to exercise. Um, then maybe you don't even want to go back to the same activities you were doing before. If the gym you're realizing is a really triggering environment for you because it brings you into a place of comparison or judging yourself or like feeling intense pressure to work out in a particular way. Mm -hmm. Maybe don't go back to the gym for a little bit. Maybe you do workouts at home. Maybe you go to a group fitness class of something you've never tried before. Maybe you get into hiking or rollerblading. Um, it's important to take the value judgments out of fitness and really, uh, like push back against anything in your mind saying, I need to work out this way because it's the right way to work out yeah. because that just exists. Um, all movement counts. All movement has value. And so allowing yourself to explore other ways to move that aren't as attached to those judgmental or diet culture based beliefs can help you move into a much more compassionate and intuitive relationship with exercise. I love that. Yeah, I love having that conversation with my clients of like, okay, these are the types of exercise you've engaged in for this purpose, like diet culture reasons. What are the other reasons like you were talking about? Like, let's name some other reasons that movement feels important to you that you, you know, value. And what would what movements would go under those values, right? Like what movements would it, would achieve those goals? Um, and just like exploring, exploring, exploring it from that lens and exploring movement, maybe you've never engaged in. It can be like this fun, awesome thing rather than this like punishing thing that brings up so many bad emotions. Instead of being something that is prescriptive and regimented and, um, kind of has this feeling of urgency. Like I, I need to make sure I don't miss a workout or I need to make sure every workout is perfect because I need to reach this goal as soon as possible. Instead of, I mean, even just speaking that way, like I feel my chest tightening, like it's yep. so stressful. Yeah. Instead of that, thinking of movement as something that is a, a lifelong, joyful, valuable activity that you engage with that can shift and change as your needs and abilities shift and change and your desires um, and something that can be experimental, something that can be 
purely just for fun without any other types of goals associated with it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a really beautiful way to move. And it doesn't have to be that way forever. I know some people really enjoy having goals in the gym, especially like performance related goals. And you can always introduce those back in, but taking a little bit of time to be a lot more flexible um, and just allowing it to just be what it is can be very healing. Also very challenging and difficult, but very healing. Yes. Yes. So good. Well, Carolyn, so can you share with people like where they can find you, how they can work with you, any other things that you have to offer? Absolutely. So I am currently taking new clients, especially if you are looking for um, like a lunchtime kind of workout. My middle of the day is where I still have um, some availability. Um, So if you want to do some virtual training with me, um, some 30 minute fun, joyful movement workouts where we focus on safety and enjoying ourselves and don't even talk about calories or weight loss. Um, (laughs) You can DM me on Instagram or send me an email um, at coach at carolynvig.com. And if you're just interested in like not working with me, but just seeing my content, I'm on Instagram, I'm on Twitter, I'm on YouTube, and I have my own podcast as well. Amazing. What is your podcast called? It's just called the Carolyn Vig podcast. I tried not to put myself into too tight of a niche because I knew I'd want to talk about more things than like just fitness. Yeah. Um, like for example, the latest episode that I still need to edit it, but it's my first um, interview. It might be out by the time you post this yeah. one. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I actually interviewed um, someone that I met on TikTok and we're talking all about Herbalife and the Herbalife Nutrition Clubs. So super interesting. interesting. <laughs> yeah. That is so cool. Yeah. Anything diet culture or like uh, nutrition and fitness history stuff. Like I love, uh, I love diving into like, where did we get all of these wacky beliefs about bodies and health? <laughs> I, oh, that's amazing. I'm definitely gonna check that out. Thank you again, Carolyn, for chatting with me today. Thank you so much for having me on. All right, guys, that is a wrap on episode 82. If you want to hear more from Carolyn, definitely follow her over on her Instagram, which is at Carolyn Vig, and you spelled her last name V-I-G-G-H. So Carolyn Vig. Um, as well, if you are interested in those two programs that I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, my intuitive eating foundations group, which is perfect for beginners or my intuitive RD book club, which really is great for people at all levels. Um, if you're interested in either, please send me a message over on Instagram at the intuitive underscore RD. I can give you more details and give you that pre-enrollment rate if you decide to move forward. All right, guys, hope you have a good rest of your week, and I'll talk to you soon.